Welcome to On the Bench. This is a weird time in the offseason where there's not a whole lot happening, but there actually is stuff happening. With that, I'm Brendan Sinone. I'm joined by Chris Nee, Josh Newberg. This episode is going to feature a fun interview with FSU cornerback signing Hunter Washington. He has an interesting story with his recruitment. He's pretty good and, and, and thoughtful in the interview, so this is new for us to have a recruit on. He's really good. We'll have him on the back end of the podcast. But before we get into the interview with Hunter, we want to go over some additions to FSU's off-field staff. Basketball is back, so Nee will have some updates there and some recruiting developments as well. Gentlemen, first off, how was your weekend? And secondly, Christopher, happy belated birthday. Thank you for the birthday wishes. Had a good weekend. Good time with the family. Good. Joshua, how about still, you? Uh, a little hungover from the from the boat parade with me and Tom Brady. Did you did you uh, catch the Super Bowl trophy as well? Oh yeah, Lombardi? yeah. I was on the boat. What do you think would have happened if it went into the water? Uh, they would have fished it out. It would have sunk right away, though, right? It was just the, the Hillsborough River. Yeah, but they'd send some divers down. That wouldn't have been a problem. And the the young lady that uh, was giving Tom Brady a hard time about throwing the Lombardi trophy, isn't that his trophy at this point? Seven of them? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how that works. You're all on board the, the Brady goat train, though, which is fine. I get it. I get it. So... No more dilly-daddling here because there's actually a lot of stuff to talk about. Let's start off with the off-field additions to FSU staff. Now, right now, we confirm two are done. None of them have been announced, but there's a third one kind of waiting in the wings there. Uh, let's talk, start with the ones we know. First off, Nate Andrews, a name familiar to FSU fans. Chris, do you want to give some people who maybe are like our newer FSU fans a little bit, bit of background on Nate Andrews from his playing time and explain what his role here is going to be at FSU? He came to FSU in 2013 as a freshman. He played a heck of a lot. Truthfully, his early years were better than his later years, mainly because of injuries catching up to him, kind of hindering him some. He was a guy that ended up at FSU because of Jeremy Pruitt. Um, when Pruitt came in, he's a guy that Pruitt liked. Pruitt liked him at other stops. The head coaches at the other stops weren't as keen on taking him necessarily. Pruitt got the green light here and brought him in. Really liked him a lot. Again, excellent in 2013. I think he was all ACC second or third team that year. Really good player. Earned some freshman All-American honors. Again, solid in 14. Good in 15. Good in 16. Good in 17. But injuries started kind of taking their toll in the back half of his career. But cerebral kid, smart kid, hard player, uh, kind of jack of all trades. Could play the you know play the slot, play in the secondary, do some stuff as so sort of a pseudo linebacker. Um, talented kid, hardworking football player. I think he's the kind of guy that it was pretty clear in watching him as a player, especially later in his career when maybe athletically because of the injuries, again, things had kind of slowed a bit. You could still tell he knew what the heck he was doing at all times. And I think that's why Pruitt liked him so much too as a recruit. So yeah, not surprised he ended up in coaching. Kind of glad he's back in Tallahassee. He's a kid that was a crucial piece of that 2013 national title team and a good teammate from what I understand throughout his time here. And he had spent the last couple of years in Tennessee with Jeremy Pruitt as part of his staff, correct? I believe so, yeah. Okay. So Nate comes back here. He'll be a GA. He'll likely be working with the secondary because, as Chris mentioned, Nate Andrews, someone who knew about three or four different positions at a pretty high level in, in the, at least an old scheme, but he's very smart, very thoughtful. So that's a good addition for FSU. He replaces Joe Bowen, who left because his time as a GA was starting to run out. You only have so many years you can be a GA uh, so he replaces Joe Bowen, who is well thought of. But Joe was a linebackers coach, uh, also leaving for FSU this offseason. 
was Brandon Harris, who was an analyst, defensive analyst. He worked with defensive backs. So what's going to happen here is Nate Andrews is going to work with DBs, filling the role of Brandon Harris. Uh, but Brandon Harris was an analyst. So that means FSU had an analyst spot to fill in as well. They're getting someone who's going to work with linebackers, uh, which was what Joe Bone was doing. I know this is confusing, but this is how the pieces are working here. Joshua, are you following with me here? Yeah, I'm following you. <laughs> so coming in uh, to work with linebackers as a defensive analyst is going to be? Uh, we believe it's going to be Sabbath Joseph. Um, Sabbath Joseph was coaching last year at Florida Memorial University. Um, I believe it was his first on-field collegiate coaching gig. Um, I'm familiar with Sabbath Joseph as he was a recruit in 2005 out of Miami Central High School, and that was my first year covering USF. Um, Sabbath signed with USF out of high school. I think he was a he's one of those Jim Levitt specials. He was a little bit undersized at just under six foot. Um, played outside linebacker, but he was he was um, 6A first team All-State, All-Dade County, uh, 4A, 6A, 100 tackles a season. He was a monster in high school. Um, went on to play a successful career at USF, got a little banged up. I don't, I don't know if he played in the NFL or not, but ever since then, he's been chasing the coaching thing and will now come to Florida State as an analyst, like you said, Um he brings some South Florida ties. He also went back to his alma mater at Miami Central and coached linebackers at Miami Central for a couple of years. Um, so, so some South Florida recruiting ties, a young up-and-comer in the coaching ranks. I think, you know, getting Sabbath Joseph at Florida State's a good pickup for the Knowles. He was going to be working with Tim Harris Sr. there at Florida Memorial. That's his head coach of that staff. I believe Tim is Brandon's dad, correct? I believe so. Correct. correct. They're definitely the same family, I believe, father-son. Um, but yeah, Tim Harris, if you know South Florida high school football, South Florida football, he's a multi-decade guy down there, tons of success, a lot of ties to the area. I think a lot of his staff at Florida Memorial has ties to that area and him. So that was going to be a point of emphasis for FSU in filling that analyst, excuse me, that analyst role after Brandon Harris left because Brandon Harris, as Chris mentioned, uh, had South Florida ties, played at, I think Miami Booker T. Washington, mm -hmm. won a state title down there when they were when they were rolling and played in the NFL. But the staff, as, we, as we've documented before, doesn't have a whole lot of organic South Florida and specifically Miami 305 type of ties. So that's kind of the role I think Sabbath Joseph plays as someone who uh, can help you a little bit. Although there are limitations on what an analyst can do as a recruiter, still having someone on staff who knows recruits, knows the people to talk to. That's the value he brings there in addition to being uh, someone who was a smart, heady player, like Josh said, and, and you assume that translates over to coaching. So those are two good additions. Uh, the third one, we haven't, I guess, confirmed it 100% yet. And FSU hasn't announced any of these yet. I do anticipate there to be announcements coming up. I know Chris doesn't like when we put a timeline on it, but I'm going to go ahead and say in the next week or two, we'll see timeline. Uh, maybe even sooner than that, Christopher. But the third hire is going to be for the director of high school relations, which was previously Coach Meatball's job. Uh, and he left to be the head coach, or sorry, the head coach, the running backs coach at Western Kentucky. So there's a spot to fill there. Uh, do we want to say who we're thinking it's going to be or what the rumor is right now? How do we want to flesh this one out? The rumor is it's going to be Ryan Bartow coming from Syracuse. Um, previous to that, he was with Oregon. And previous to that, we know him well with uh, working with him at 24-7 Sports. Yeah, and I go back to rivals with Ryan. I've known Ryan a long time. Um, 
you know, not 100% sure that that's a hire, but we have reason to believe it is. I know Pat Burnham from the Osceola also mentioned in a tweet mm-hmm. yesterday on Sunday that he was hearing the same. So it's definitely out there. Um, Barto is a hardworking dude. He loves football. He loves the game of football. When he worked with us at 247, at the end of his time with us at 247, he was doing a lot of state of Florida work. And he liked living on the road. He liked getting out, going to schools. He met with a ton of coaches, ton of kids. It was his thing. He enjoyed it. So if you're looking for a guy who has a relationship with coaches, who's completely comfortable in creating such relationships and also dealing with kids, student athletes, he certainly has plenty of experience there. And I think the fact that he's coming from Oregon and Syracuse shows that he's kind of, you know, learned how to do it on that side of the fence where he switched into the college game and gotten comfortable with it. So if it does indeed end up being the hire, I think he's a guy that's completely comfortable in filling that role, replacing Carlos Lachlan, a.k.a. Meatball, Coach who Meatball. did a very good job for FSU when he was here this past year. So some people are going to be listening to all these names we're putting out there and all these different titles and try to place together like what's what. So let's try to go into that real quick and, and provide as much clarity as possible because it's often – pretty nebulous. So a GA is a graduate assistant. It means it's someone who's enrolled at the school and in graduate courses. There's a, like I said, a certain amount of time that they have. Well, I think there's a, there was a rule that was just passed that, that expedites that or changes that up a little bit. Uh, but typically it's about three years. You can be part AGA uh, yeah, on staff. I think it's two years automatically three, if you meet a certain amount of hours within the first two specifically in the second one. And then now it's essentially a fourth year because of COVID. Yeah. Joe Bowen left in part because his window was closing and that fourth year rule actually came about just after Joe took the job at South Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's what the GA does. There's someone who helps out on the field will help with breaking down film, that kind of stuff. And then that's also a lot of what an analyst is going to do, but they're not a student. And that's the biggest difference. They're paid as a state employee. Their salary is out there for anyone to go and find and, and, you know, put in a FOIA request. So they're basically treated as a, as a state employee. Uh, outside of that, is there a huge difference, Chris or Josh, between a GA and analyst? No, I mean, it probably depends on the position group they work with and what that position coach wants from those people. Mm-hmm. Right. Or, or the, a lot or of case. the coach has it set up, but yeah. It just depends. I'll say this in dealing with past GAs, they tend to be more involved with recruiting than analysts do, but that could be a reference of staff as well. And I think analysts are guys that are very much on the cusp of becoming position coaches for programs. Mm -hmm. Um, So they're kind of super focused on the on-field product while GA is kind of hand in every cookie jar, learning all the crafts and trades to a little bit different degree. I think at least in my experience with guys at FSU, that's how I kind of view it. I'd agree with that. And I also think it, it, it's kind of left up to the head coach. However he wants to run it is how it's going to be run. But yeah, I agree with Chris from, for the most part, even, you know, I'm just thinking back to when Jim Levitt was here, you know, he had no part in recruiting. I've talked to other analysts at other schools. They're not really into recruiting. I mean, they're there to really assist the head football coach or the coordinators and it's almost like a year round job, like Chris said, that it and, and typically after a year or two, that defensive analyst is going to be on the field somewhere. And then with high school, with the director of high school relations, that staff, I get a feeling that's also kind of versatile and depending on, I guess, what what FSU needs at that time. Like Coach Lachlan, Coach Meatball, he did some of the walk on program stuff, but I know that Chuck Canner's taken on a role with that as well at FSU. So mm-hmm. uh, 
that'll leave itself open to, I guess, if it is, if it is Bartow, uh, as we're assuming right now, again, without that being official, uh, he'll be able to do, I guess, a handful of things. I guess, what, what do we think he'll be doing in his role if he is announced here pretty soon? Just well, my well, guess. I think Chuck will probably be more involved with the walk-ons from now on with that program. And I think Bartow will come in and kind of, he'll help recruiting interactions between the staff and the recruits and their families. Um, He'll kind of open up communication between high school coaches and the coaching staff. I mean, Ryan Bartow um, can kind of fill the gaps to where the relationships haven't been built yet because of the uh, dead period in COVID. And he can maybe get some of these coaches, not only just in contact with FSU, but start, you know, building meaningful relationships between high school coaches in the state of Florida and the FSU staff. I think he'll, he'll be a little bit more hands-on in those types of ways when it comes to recruiting. Yeah. And to add to that, he'll help fill in the blanks of this is a kid. This is a parent. This is a person that's involved in the recruitment that you need to know. This is a high school coach. This is a coach at the school who actually cares about recruiting, or Mm -hmm. this is a coach at the school who likes FSU or cares for FSU or has been to FSU or has relationship with FSU. Yeah kind of creating the, this is a web we're going to weave and this is how we're going to pursue our kid. That's where a lot of that legwork is done. And then it's handed off to the coach who's recruiting and making their job a bit easier as they're working to build a bond with the kid, but also the other people that they have to be involved with also. And it takes a village. It's, you know, Chuck's going to be involved. Grady who does on-campus recruiting, she'll be involved. Uh, Several other people that are in the machine will be involved. I think Ryan will be involved as well official visit weekends, how they host those, how they go about doing them. He'll be part of that machinery and we'll see what else. I mean, that's one of those roles that it's essentially first and foremost, it's about recruiting and getting things in order. But secondly, it can be about this is where a certain weight of the program has to be repositioned. Can you help us do this and improve the way we go about doing it? I get the feeling that Bartow's Rolodex is going to be really important to to FSU and his connections, especially in in the state, because that's something that we've said they're still playing catch up on because of the restrictions from uh, COVID and and what it's done with recruiting. By the way, where's that at now, guys, with with the dead period that was proposed to get pushed back further to May? Yeah, the proposal has been made. The actual action of saying, yes, we're doing that has not happened. I believe there was a meeting this past Thursday following up on a meeting from the prior Thursday where that was introduced, but I don't think it's gone to vote, but there is concern that they're going to do it right now. The plan was to open April 16th. I know schools desperately want that 22s desperately want that younger kids would like that. Obviously I'm not convinced that's going to happen at this rate. We shall see. There's been a decent amount of pushback, but it needs the most to get. we've seen, right, Chris? I think of like in terms of social well, media pushback, it's been little, the most vocal. There's a little bit by the 21 class in season of hey, we need to open things up and be able to take visits. You know, we're about to put ink to paper, figure these things out. We need this to happen. It, there was a little bit there, it never really created a groundswell. I'd say this one is on par with that, if not a little bit better, but it needs to be a little bit louder now for it to actually happen. You know, it's one of those things where like the we want to play movement, how that gains so much steam in like a 24 hour period this really needs that at some point. I think if they do come out and push the date back, we might see that kind of groundswell. Yeah. I was talking to some people. It seems like it was about a month ago um, that were pretty optimistic that it would go to a quiet period in April. Those same people, not as optimistic anymore. Yeah. And quiet period would allow kids to visit. Would not allow the coaches go out and see the kids. All right. 
We'll see how that goes. Anything else on the off-field additions before I move to a quick hoops update? No. Uh, all right, Christopher, here's your here's your time to shine, buddy. You got to cover extra free basketball this weekend. Yeah, FSU came back from their two-week pause on Saturday. They played Wake first. It took overtime. They won 92-85, to outscoring them 12-5 to in the extra period. Scotty Barnes went from midcourt to the basket, scored with 0.5 seconds left to force overtime. It was just a second-made basket of the game at that point. Scotty was pretty good in overtime, ended up with a pretty good day. Turk, Raekwon Gray was the star of the game. Double-double again, second double-double in the last three, four games. He also had one against Miami just before the pause began. Turk's playing really good ball. Six consecutive games with double-figure scoring. He's just kind of, you know, imposing his will on the court, playing a really high level of basketball. And in this game, because Balsacopra Visa suffered an ankle injury during their shoot-around earlier in the day, they didn't really have the big rotation that they usually like, in part because of Balsa being out as well as – fouls and such for the other bigs on the roster so Turk had to play a little bit more of an interior role and he kind of took that and went when I thought it was pretty impressive how he just did it he went and did it Anthony Polite came back after being out since January 16th still knocking down three still playing high level defense FSU is a lot better basketball team when he's on the court that all sets up a pretty big one tonight in Tallahassee at 7 p.m on ESPN Florida State versus Virginia Right now, that's a number nine versus a number 17 game. I think we might see it creep up into a top 15 matchup, maybe something like seven versus 15 by the time the rankings come out later today. Virginia's damn good. Lost one game in the ACC, three games on the year. They've played 18, so they're a little bit more in rhythm than FSU is. That's somewhere where FSU is still working back from two pauses in a seven-week period. Um but it all comes down to can FSU score enough? Virginia suppresses teams. They don't allow a lot of points. This year's Virginia is willing to score a little bit more compared to recent versions. So it'll be interesting if at some point this evening it does turn into a bit of a running gun type of game situation, which I think plays more to FSU, who's the best scoring offense in the ACC. If it's more of a slow defensive game, that plays to Virginia, who's the best scoring defense in the ACC. So it should be a heck of a game. It's a tough one to call the lines one, so it's basically a pick em. If FSU had a few games under their belt returning from the pause and had played well in those games, I'd p- feel pretty comfortable picking FSU on the home court. I think that's the difference. The fact that FSU definitely looked like a team coming out of pause against Wake, I'm hesitant to go ahead and say I think they win tonight, but I think they're going to give Virginia all they can handle. You know, Tony Bennett, I think, is 9-9 nine nine against FSU at, at Virginia. I'd be willing to bet that's probably one of his two, three worst records against anybody in his time at Virginia. So FSU plays those teams well. It's just a matter of it's so tough to score against Virginia. And sometimes something as simple as like a seven to nine point deficit, it feels monstrous as compared to other teams where it feels like two good possessions. We're right back in this. Virginia is just not that kind of team. They they can kind of snuff you out slowly and painfully. And it, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a good matchup. I think Clark versus Burns, really short kid. Clark for Virginia versus Burns, obviously very tall and long. I think that's an intriguing matchup. And I think interior-wise, Hauser and Huff, Jay Huff and Adam Hauser, I'm sorry, Sam Hauser for Virginia are going to be two guys that FSU has to be aware of and kind of just consistently get a body on, be aggressive towards, try to bother them. If you can take any of those top three guys out, you can make it a real interesting game. So it should be a fun one tonight. Let's go. FSU hoops back and at it. Okay. A couple more recruiting updates for you guys. And then we're going to take a commercial break. 
Let's see. I want to start off with Andrew Parchment real quick because I was somewhat of buzz on social media. So that's Andrew Parchment is the Kansas transfer commitment. Now, Andrew is finishing up his time at Kansas. He's a May graduate and plans to enroll at Florida State about a week later. Uh, But I believe he's doing online classes. So he's home in South Florida. That means he has the ability to drive on up to Tallahassee over a weekend and check things out, which is basically what he did this past week. And I believe that would have probably been his first time ever checking out FSU, at least uh, as a commitment and as a a player who's recruited by this staff at FSU. Uh, But some people, I think, kind of got that confused that he was enrolling at FSU because he had cleats and he was actually working out with the team on social media. And by working out, I mean, he was throwing around with with look like McKenzie Milton and some other players. Uh, That doesn't mean he's enrolled, guys. That just means he was here working out, correct? Correct. Okay. So truthfully, anybody can go out to those workouts because they're player run. Mm -hmm. They're not team organized. They're not organized by coaches and the coaches are not present. Could we go out there and throw the ball around a little bit? I think we could, if you really want to get yourself embarrassed badly. I mean, Josh would put it on you. (laughs) I picture Josh as a crafty route runner. There used to be, I, I think back to the days of like when Cromartie was here and they would do a lot of player run workouts and this was, pre-IPF days. But I remember like fam guys would come out once in a while and run routes mm-hmm. with them. And once in a while, even like a high school kid might come out if he had some tire relationship to the team, you know, brother on the team or somebody who came from their high school on the team and he might run routes. So it's not unheard of for someone who's not currently a member of the roster to be out there. It's certainly valuable for him to come oh, check out yeah. the campus, hang out with guys and, and get start building the, you know, uh, chemistry process, I guess. That's good. That's good stuff, but nothing more to look into. I checked with Andrew and, and he said, yeah, I'm not just here visiting. I'll plan a check-in with him later this week. I hit him up on Sunday. didn't hear back yet. So we'll try to catch up with him this week and see if he wants to give an update on, on just what he, what he experienced and what he saw this weekend. But, but that's about it. Um, the bigger news, I think guys, and this one caught us kind of off guard. Chris was the celebrating birthday evening when it happened and asked me if I could do it. And, and, so I got to put on my recruiting cap and write a story. That's A.J. Duffy, the four-star quarterback from IMG Academy, although he's originally a West Coast kid. He put out his top four, and FSU was on it. And I guess we probably didn't expect that to be the case based on where the crystal balls were trending. Uh, Arizona State was his favorite, and that ended up not happening. Well, it was weird. Leading up to this last about two weeks, well, first and foremost, when Nico committed, I wrote top three FSU quarterback targets. Number one was A.J. Duffy, and he was number one for a reason. He is their top quarterback target. And they are wholeheartedly, fully invested in trying to recruit him and land him at FSU. Just set that up. So over the last two weeks, nationally, as people wrote about Duffy, and I'm talking not solely in our network, but as a whole in the recruiting machine, FSU kept getting omitted. And I just, it didn't make sense to me. Kids interested in FSU. He's closer to FSU now with being at IMG Academy instead of being in California. And I know FSU wants him. A lot of people think Arizona state is the school was the school. They may still truthfully even still be the school, even though they're not in that four. I think there's a little bit of things going on there. I wouldn't uh, smoke screen. Um, I think Oregon is the other one to truly know other than FSU. But it just struck me as odd that FSU was so completely dismissed and then Arizona State's not in it and people are like quick to dismiss that. Uh, No, I think if I'm putting three schools out there for the young man, I'm putting Arizona State, Florida State, and Oregon as the three. Uh, No, I don't disagree. I think Florida State, you know, we've always kind of gotten word back from our sources that they felt pretty good about Duffy, that they were definitely in it. And we've 
confirm that they're in regular contact with them. So it's not a complete surprise to see FSU in his top four. Um, definitely surprising to see Arizona State not in it. Don't know what that means just yet. Um, we'll see when Duffy wants to decide. Did he mention that at all, or, or is that still unknown? He's previously tweeted, I think, March 31st, but it's simply the date. He never actually said it was decision day, but people have interpreted it as such. I don't know that he's ever been on the record saying that. Um, I do think he's one of those people that is certainly going to be off the board by the time June rolls around. Yeah. Go ahead. No, my my overall take on it is I do agree with Chris. Florida State's in it. Um, right now, not sure what's going on with Arizona State. If I had to put a team, maybe Oregon. You know, he is a West Coast kid. Like Chris said, he's at IMG now. I, I don't know how much that's going to play into FSU's favor. We've seen IMG be open for almost 10 years now. Kids moving in from California. Do they typically end up staying in state in Florida? No, they typically end up going back to the West Coast. So we'll see how this all plays out. But I do think Florida State is in it more than the national analysts are giving them credit for. I asked two people that are super familiar with Duffy's recruitment and not he put up before. One about FSU being in it and two about Arizona State not being in it. And both told me, yes, FSU should definitely be in it. And both also said they still think Arizona State's a player. I know our Oregon writers also said when they – saw the final four that they were surprised Arizona state was in, omitted. And they also believed that, you know, it's something to still keep an eye on it. And our Arizona state folks, specifically Chris Cartman, who runs that site, he believes Arizona state's still wholeheartedly in it. So there's a whole lot of feelings out there, belief out there that Arizona state is still certainly a player in this recruitment, but I would not dismiss FSU. I am very interested to see Duffy has been to campus before on his own. He came with a tight end. I think it was Jack Peterson, if I remember correctly. I, I'm interested to see now that he's at IMG, if he potentially makes an odd trip up here on his own. That would be a very interesting uh, domino to fall. Anything else with recruiting? I know that you guys have had some updates that we put up there from from some of our other analysts in, in the region going to different camps or whatnot. Is there anything we want to throw on the podcast there before we take our break and get to the Hunter Washington interview? I know Josh wants to talk about our linebacker local. I'll let him do that because that's more significant news. Um, Best of the Midwest, which is a big camp combine up in the Midwest, was this past weekend. Uh, Steve Wiltfong, some others from the company were there. Two guys mentioned FSU. Uh, Keontae Goodwin, top 247 offensive tackle. FSU's maintained good contact with him. He's been to campus before with the previous staff. Uh, he's a monstrous offensive tackle. He's one of those kids that's been on the radar for several years now, and he's going to be big time. I think he's going to end up more of a Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State type kid than anybody else. And then top 247 wide receiver, Caden Saunders, Nico Markiel's friend, who we did the update with on after Nico committed. He again mentioned FSU. He's a Penn State commitment. He gave the normal line of, yeah, I'm committed, but anything can happen. And he mentioned FSU among a few other schools that were still very involved. I think Notre Dame was one of those out of schools. So just two quick updates on those guys. And I followed up with one of the players that made my FSU top 10 most wanted list, Wesley Besaint of Miami Central. Um, Andrew Ivins was down at a seven on seven in Miami this weekend, and he was competing with South Ford Express. So I had Andrew ask him a couple questions and just get a general update on his recruitment. And it it seems like the uh, outside linebacker who goes 6'1", 195, 
I think this is going to shape up to a Florida State Miami battle. Um, good to see FSU linebacker coach Chris Marv right in the middle of this one. Besaint tells me that he's in contact with them a couple times a week, and they really do have a good relationship. Um, he wants to get up there and visit. Don't know when. He says once things open up. So I don't know if this is, you know, if Besaint is planning to do this with his family on their own dime or if he's going to wait until things do open up in the dead period lifts to, to take a visit. But either way, it sounds like the Knolls are in, in a good spot. Besaint doesn't have a timetable necessarily for a decision. Think maybe something could come this summer. I don't think he's he's one that's going to press and make anything too soon. Did um, he mention Sabbath Joseph? Yes. Uh, Sabbath oh. Joseph was was not at Miami Central last year, but Besaint said he was coaching when he was there as a freshman and sophomore, so he's familiar with him. There you go. There's that connection already, paying dividends. He's an every-down linebacker, too, which makes mm-hmm. him very appealing. Yeah, cool. Does real well in seven-on-seven, seven, which we know you know, true linebackers don't really flash that much in, in the coverage game, but – he is athletic, sideline to sideline. Um, number eight ranked offensive, uh, offensive outside linebacker in the in the country, and a top one hundred. Well, he's ranked what is it, one hundred four right now. All right, overall, I like a little old school Florida State Miami recruiting battle. Though I haven't seen many of those uh, in, in recent Can't years. Can't wait so to cover nice. one of these. Hopefully, it goes all the way down to the stretch like old times. <laughs> give it all. Give us all those page views in February. Come on, come on. All right, guys. Anything else before we wrap up? Nope. Get to talking to Hunter. All right. I'm going to have Hunter Washington coming on next. Going to fill in about his recruitment, a little late push from Clemson, some of the recruiting he's doing for FSU, not just what he did for Tribe 21, but helping out with that Tribe 22 class as well. So uh, stick with us, fellas. Thanks for joining me here on the bench. Stick around to listen to the Hunter Washington interview on the other side. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, welcome back to On the Bench. As promised, I have Hunter Washington, or should I say state champion, Hunter Washington. Hunter, congratulations on the recent run in the playoffs, and uh, welcome to On the Bench. How's it going? I appreciate it. Uh, everything's good. How are you? I'm good, man. So, um, what, did they? Did you, get a, did you get a state championship ring already? Uh, so, we had sized our rings last Monday. All right. So, we should be getting them in pretty soon from 10 to 15 weeks. Awesome. So, by the time awesome. I graduate. Awesome. Awesome. Well, so let's talk about that state, the state championship run. And uh, it was dominant. It was a dominant performance by mm-hmm. you guys. And yes, I guess, what was it like to kind of go through the playoffs and, and really weren't really challenged all that much, even you personally, mm-hmm. like how, you weren't even challenged, challenged that much as mm-hmm. far as that guys throwing the ball to you. So we had a, 
Well, I wouldn't say a rough season, but you know, we had you know pretty young guys on the that never really played varsity. So it took us a couple of games to actually get used to and actually get a a bond, uh, playing together and stuff like that. So as we get into playoffs, we starting to pick up everything, starting to get used to each other, and then that's when we pick it up from there and won the state championship. You guys had the the midseason loss. I guess I'm not super familiar mm-hmm. with Texas area, but Tompkins is that like an inner yeah, inner inner city rival? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Tompkins. Um, so we had a rough game that game. You know, every, you know, normally we don't really lose, so it was kind of shocking to our community and us players and coaches and stuff like that. We knew we had to be on board and stuff like that, and knew that we had to pick up from there. And uh, knowing that it's better to lose during season than later on in the playoffs, so. You know, we fixed our mistakes and then fixed it during the playoffs. That was a legitimate turning point, though, for you guys, right? Like, you kind of got it together after that. I guess what specifically about that moment did did change for you? Knowing that we can't win every game during the season, especially overlook our opponent, knowing that we might win or we're going to win, and, you know, we're going to win the district, you know, always because we, we were always the win district champs. So it was just humble and uh you know, it was, I mean, it was probably, I know it wasn't that good, but I'm glad that we, you know, pretty much, I wouldn't say lose, but like, you know, onboard ourselves and stuff like that so we can carry on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I get forced to get focused a little bit more, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so for you, that the playoff run, I remember you said, I think you were targeted, what, two times in, in the entire playoffs? Is that, is that right? How crazy is that? I mean, I mean, I was kind of bored, you know, on my side. <laughs> I mean, I know that, you know, I'm highly recruited and stuff like that, but I, I was pretty much expecting more targets at my side, so. So for people, and I assume most of our listeners are pretty familiar with your game at this point, they've watched your your huddle and, and seen our scouting report on you and, and have followed you throughout your recruitment and, and this past season. Uh, but for people, I guess, who aren't familiar, how would you describe your game? What do you think you do well at defensive back? And are you a cornerback? Are you a nickelback? Are you a safety? So I've been playing corner ever since I was little. So I've been knowing the game. Ever since that, you know, uh, I'm more of like I can, you know, my IQ is highly up there, you know, reading the quarterback and reading the routes and what routes they're running and reading the field and see their splits and stuff like that. You know, I'll come up and make tackles. You know, I'm physical on and off, man. So, and then my speed, according to my, you know, agility and my uh, coverage, you know, it makes the game faster for me. So, so let's go through your recruiting process a little bit. So it was an interesting one, uh, especially toward the end. I, I know that there was some some interest you were getting from other schools and whatnot. And you remain loyal, obviously, to FSU. You signed with FSU. You're one of the best players in the class. But maybe you can take us back to the time, Hunter, when you committed to Florida State. I guess, why? Why was that the right time for you and the right fit for you? So uh, me and Coach Wilson really had a good relationship ever since he was at Auburn. So this was my sophomore year going into my junior year. And then we've been connecting, you know, throughout the season, my junior season, throughout my senior season. Um, you know, once he got to Florida State, he, you know, gave gave me numbers to contact and, you know, getting a relationship with Coach Norvell and Coach Fuller and the rest of the coaching staff. And I and I felt comfortable. And, you know, you always need to go to a place, you know, where it feels like home. And I felt like FSU was the right place for me. You know, they always been loyal to me ever since they offered me. You know, they'll check up on me every day, especially the head coach, Coach Norville. 
you know, you know, that was the biggest thing. The recruiting, uh, recruiting process is loyalty. You know, that's the biggest thing. So that's the reason why I really picked FSU, especially the coaching. And uh, I really think they can help me develop my game going into the next level. Let's talk specifically about Coach Woodson because he's obviously the coach that you've known the longest. Uh, we hear so many good things, man, about him being a, a really good recruiter. I guess what makes him – what made him someone that you believed in and had trusted and developed a relationship with and a bond with, even I guess before you committed? Like, what makes him such a good recruiter? His personality on and off the field. Uh, he had invited me to, you know, the Auburn camp when he was at Auburn, uh, the summer camp, uh, so he could teach me a couple of things because, you know, I couldn't really talk to him during the spring ball. So he, I mean, he watched a couple of my practices during spring ball, and that's when he had told me to come come to his camp, and he'll teach me stuff. You know, knowing him teaching me, you know, stuff that I used going into my junior season, you know, it really helps. So I really, I really had trusted him ever since that, ever since after that camp. So you've mentioned trust now a couple of times, Hunter, and I'm I'm curious to get your thoughts on. So during the season when FSU isn't having the on-field results that that mm-hmm. they want. Uh, some players in the recruiting class, like, you know, some guys like Brendan Jennings and, and Luke mm-hmm. Lamar, guys who were there with you from a pretty early time, they looked at their mm-hmm. other options. I guess for you, what was it like watching FSU, I guess, struggle? And uh, did you ever start having doubts about your commitment or the direction of the program at any point in time? Not at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know they they had a kind of rough season this past season, but I was just sticking with them to thinking, you know, doing the stuff that they had and during the COVID and stuff like that. Even though I couldn't really visit up there, I was still sticking with them. A lot of people didn't know this at the time. Uh, it's something that we didn't want to put out there and put more pressure on you, but you put it out, I guess, after you signed with FSU, Clemson made a run at you. I'm sure some other schools did too. Can you kind of describe yeah. what that final, I guess, like month or so the recruitment's like and when you know Clemson comes knocking, I guess, what, what, what that's like? So, F- I mean, not FSU, uh, Clemson had, called me uh it was a week before signing day you know we've been talking we was talking for 25 minutes to me the db coach uh you know he was just talking about some things he was saying that he liked my film and you know how 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 he liked my play style and stuff like that Mm -hmm. uh so after the call he told me that he wanted to get on get with me on the phone with the head coach so you know after that call i was just thinking to myself like you know, why why would I switch up to a team that always, you know, that been there from the jump instead of a last minute team that want to try and get me? Because I, I really didn't know the DB coach like that, so I'd rather stick with somebody that that I'm knowing and close to and already built the relationship with. In in that around that same time, man, like you were always pretty vocal for Florida State, and then I know re- mm-hmm. recruiting for Florida State is what I'm trying to say there. Uh, mm-hmm. But then really, you kind of turned it turned it up in that regard. And ever since then, you've been one of the most vocal recruits on mm-hmm. Twitter for FSU. I guess, why was that important for you to become someone who was kind of the leader in, in that regard uh, publicly? Uh, I really just want to bring the tradition back. You know, uh, you know how they was good a couple uh, couple years when, uh, I forgot his name. He was, he's at a right now. Oh, Jimbo, Jimbo Fisher. Yeah, yeah. When they was good, then, you know, I just really, really want to bring that tradition back in, you know, knowing them that they shouldn't be doubting us and knowing that they need to start something and build their own legacy instead of following the other and going to the, you know, bigger schools that all, that have been winning 
for the past years. You know, I just want to change that around and, you know, build something special then bring FSU back. Some of, some of my listeners who are angry that Jimbo left are going to like, I know you didn't do it on purpose, going to like that you forgot his name. Uh, I enjoyed it too. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, so, so late in the recruiting process too, man, uh, you had kind of dropped a hint to me that, that, Hey, there's a guy that I'm trying to get to sign early with me. And it was kind of a secret. The message board went crazy. Twitter went crazy. All want to know who it was now ends up not signing early, but we now know who uh, I'll have you fill in the blank. It was Destin Hill. All right. So he ends up signing with the good guys anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, when he didn't sign early, were you like, Oh, like I, I thought he was going to, or was that like, were you still pretty cool and calm when it went into no. February with him? I was pretty calm. Uh, you know, I was just telling him to, you know, don't don't rush anything. You know, just you know, just stick with uh, whatever's on your mind, and you know, you know, just take your time and stuff like that. Because anybody don't like being rushed and stuff like that. So I was just telling him to take his time. You know, we were still contacting after I signed and stuff like that, just making sure he was like with us and stuff like that. So he was just keeping up with FSU, sticking with FSU, and, like, and then he ended up signing. How much are you looking forward to going against him in practice every day? I know iron sharpens iron is a pretty mm-hmm. popular phrase for football players. That's going to – seems like that'll be a really fun battle for you guys each day. Yeah, uh, I'm excited, you know, for the opportunity, you know, going against good receivers like him and Josh and stuff like that. You know, I'm just ready to take on the opportunity and take up before the challenges, see what I can do. How much are you paying attention to like what the recruiting, I guess, in Tribe 22, what the 2022 class and 2023, some of the younger groups, uh, how much, how involved are you with that? And how much attention, I guess, do you, do you pay to what's going on with guys who will be your teammates in the future? Uh, I've been keeping up with them, you know, almost every day. Cause you know, every tribe is like family. So they're like my little brothers, you know, I'm just making sure they, they on track and keep it, uh, keeping up with them, make sure, you know, we on whatever top five, top 10, you know, just keeping up with that and make sure, you know, they follow up and come with FSU. Dude, that class is looking to be pretty good so far, huh? Especially 2022. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, shaping, it's shaping up real, real nice. Uh, yeah. If, if FSU goes ahead and, and takes care of business on the field this year, it's going to finish off to be something special. I think. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. So, sure. uh, so for you, so for you, Hunter, like what's, what are you doing now, I guess? And, and as you get ready for, coming to FSU, what's the timeline like? What are you doing to stay busy? Are you doing any other sports? Are you just kind of focusing on, on your craft? What, what are you up to? Uh, fo- Really focus on my craft, you know, getting bigger, stronger, and faster. Really, that's the main four things that I need to work on before I actually move in and head up to Tallahassee. And when is that? When are you supposed to be arriving in Tallahassee? Uh, May 29th. May 29th. All right, so not too not too far away, man. It's come, come up yes, really sir. close. Um. Uh, any other messages before I let you run to you want to throw out there to Noel Nation, to the listeners of On the Bench? All I got to say is go Noles. <laughs> All right, go Noles. All right, everyone, that's Hunter Washington. He's awesome. I uh, really appreciate your time, Hunter. Thank you very much for coming and joining us on the bench here. You have a good one, man. All right? You too. Thank you.
chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire now streaming on Paramount Plus.